talking about video games. Yeah! Hello, everyone listening to the internet and on radio and other ways that you get audio into your ears. This is the Donkey Con Artist Podcast, episode two of the Donkey Con Artist Podcast, but like episode 18, maybe, of our podcast together. My name is Patrick Shanley. Uh, I'm one of your hosts. Joining me is my best friend, Edmund Arnold. Edmund, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Patrick. Mm. Thank you for asking. I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. This is a good time to be a video game fan. There's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. It's a very good time to be a video game fan. There's everything is going on right now. There are tons of big games coming out, not just this month in October, where there are a lot of big games, but also in the very near future as well. We were lucky enough this week to have the uh, VP of Creative from Monolith Studios. They are behind the upcoming Lord of the Rings Shadow of War game. His name is Michael DePlatter. He joined the uh, podcast, and he got to talk about the awesome new game that I'm really much uh, looking forward to. How about you, Eddie? I'm very much looking forward to it. Shadow of Mordor was... I loved it. I don't like Lord of the Rings. I think Lord of the Rings is a garbage, garbage series. How you is that possible? Other spec- I I love fantasy. I just there's something about Lord of the Rings that I did not. Just nothing hooked me. I didn't. I don't think I like the Hobbits. What? I think it, I think it was a mixture between the Hobbits, like the pretentious ass elves, and <laughs> elves are kind of pretentious. Humans were just like orcish as hell like they were always talking about the orcs but i feel like humans were just like so i just couldn't how can you say you like fantasy and not like lord of the rings because i don't like do you like like pizza and not like pepperoni i like i'm gonna get rammed for this i like soft fantasy like harry potter dude and and oh man i can't think of another fantasy thing that i like i like I like sci-fi more, but and Skyrim. See, I like Skyrim. I but anyway, like Skyrim. we're getting off topic. We're getting off topic. Shadow of Mordor, besides the Lord of the Rings oh. attached to it, oh, God. was a fantastic game because it had one of my favorite mechanics in it ever, ever, and that's the Nemesis system. Okay, so explain the Nemesis system to somebody. Assume I'm an idiot. I know that's very hard for you to do. And explain the Nemesis system to me. Well, the Nemesis system was like an engine in the game i don't know if i'm using the right terminology i don't create games sue me i work with kids i change lives sorry but it was like an engine in this game but basically you could create your own stories with the enemies in this game so for example they had like these mini bosses and they're all these separate orcs across the world that you'd come across and you'd get engaged in battles with them and they'd have these cool little introductory lines that they would say similar to something like Injustice, if you remember playing that. And you'd get in the battles with these guys, you'd win sometimes, you'd lose sometimes, but they would stay alive, and you would sometimes engage in them in battles again. So I was in uh, my first playthrough of this game, I battled this one orc, bald-headed, one eye, nine times. It took me nine times to kill this guy. And over the times, he would just get stronger and stronger and stronger. And over the times, he would just comment over our last battle. When so he made you would fun just of you? Yeah, he'd make fun of me because I couldn't kill him. So I hated him. I, I hated him. And you would just keep going at him, keep going at him. And it came to a point where I wouldn't focus on anything except locating him on this map, finding him and trying to kill him. And that was just how deep this side system to this game was. And it wasn't even attached to the main story. So I didn't even play the main story because it was Lord of the Rings. I just was hunting down these orcs and killing them. It's kind of like a, like a high school situation where this one guy was just picking on you over and over and over again. Multiple people picked on me over and over and over again. I was short. I was so little. It was fun to pick on you, to be fair. Yes, if that floats your boat, it was racist for all of you, but whatever. (laughs) Am I allowed to laugh? Is it racist to laugh at that joke? Yeah, it is really racist, and it's a troubling time for you to laugh at that. So have fun for all the tweets you're going to get today. (laughs) Pat Shanley's a disgusting racist. Mm, mm, get him get him it seems like uh, in this new game the upcoming uh, shadow of war sorry i get that the names are too similar for me you know like yeah, I shadow get it. war shadow mordor yeah I, they just they hit my ear wrong anyway in the shadow of war the upcoming one they've kind of revamped the uh not revamped isn't the right word but they've kind of bulked up the nemesis yeah, that, that's a nice i liked it yeah they gave gave it some protein <laughs> took to the gym you know shoved a bunch of broccoli in its mouth and it's ready to go 
let it watch some uh, late night cartoons. I don't know where that came from. I don't know how that would bulk you up. But anyway, um, well, you know, you're watching late night cartoons. You're eating snacks. Is that how you get bulked up? You eat after after midnight. Then you go work that off in the. I don't know how big people work. Okay, I'm 120 (laughs) pounds. I don't know. I don't know how this works. All right. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't lifted a weight in like 10 years. Yeah, well, controllers are heavy. They are. They are. But anyway, yeah, it seems like just the original systems was like the enemies were very isolated, right? Mm-hmm. So you would come across this guy and you come across another guy across different areas in the map. But it seems like in this new system, there are fortresses. And he talks about it <clears> in the interview. There's fortresses. And in top of fortresses, there are these tribes. Which it seems like they go along with these fortresses, I think. Yeah. So, sorry for my list with fortresses. This is like killing me right now. Can you say so, fortresses one more time? Fortresses. <laughs> so it seems like you sound like Gollum. Really, you should like Lord of the Rings. Oh, shut up! Why would you mean? <laughs> that's racist too. Anyway, uh, it sounds like the world is more. There's more variety to the world, so it sounds like that you have these fortresses around the world and these different. What do you call them? Nemesis? Nemesis? Nemesises? Nemesis. There's a lot of S's going on right I, now. Yeah, there is. It's too much. Well, it sounds like these different enemies or mini bosses, I like, I like to call them. You could recruit them to your team, basically. Right. And they could work for you. They could be your followers. So you're like Jesus, you know, walking across the desert recruiting orc disciples to work for you, essentially. That's a fantastic analogy and pretty much exactly what they were going for, I would imagine. I went to Catholic schools. <laughs> All that uh, the theology classes are paying off. What's cool about the game is not only... I mean, I haven't got my hands on it yet, and I'm excited to get my hands on it, uh, but from the Inver, from the conversation that I had with uh, Platter was that you kind of recruit these bands of orcs, but the thing is is that orcs aren't, like, together with each other, so they kind of fight amongst themselves. So you kind of, like, make one tribe takes over a town, but another tribe might want to come in and take it back over. It's sort of, it's almost like an like an RTS element to this, I feel like. You know, like, <clears throat> you you capture, like, a base, but then there's, like, somebody else who's trying to get your base back, stuff like that. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of cool. I'm excited about that. And one thing he noted in the interview, not to spoil it, but, yeah, the one thing I really liked was how he says that your fortress, like, say you have a fortress in your starting area, you could put feral orcs there and your game would be different as opposed to if I had put like some type of bougie orcs that liked like finer things. I don't know how like orcs San Francisco are. orcs. So I, 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 exactly San Francisco orcs that like clean air yeah. and they're slug bugs or whatever. So they only drink sour beers and no plastic bags. It's that's, I like that. I like how the different areas could be different depending on your play style in the game. So I, everything is going to be different. It seems like, they're really going to let you create your own story, right. which was similar to the first one. Mm. It seems like I'm going to be able to create way bigger stories in this one, which makes me way excited. As someone who's an RPG fan and who's played RPGs their entire life, this, this new brand of RPGs, it's not even new. It's more just like a new nuance uh, to RPGs. We're really everyone used to say, "Oh, you make these decisions, and it's going to affect like the way the game plays out." But now we're really getting to like a generation where that's actually paying off, and you're actually seeing that happen. And the Nemesis system was like a great example of that. Where like mm-hmm. what you did in the game actually did affect the world that you lived in. You actually felt like you were a part of the world that you were playing in. Yeah, it was just a deep, deep engrossing system. And you're right; it was just depending on who you wanted to fight, depending on which area of the world you wanted to take over side missions first all your stories were going to be different and that's what that's the beauty of action rpgs that's the beauty of rpgs like you said now well i think that was the beauty of all rpgs really i think that's why people gravitated to rpgs because you really could create your own stories yeah it's what we play them for right i mean to your your role playing that's what they are at their very essence is that you're supposed to be putting yourself into the role of the character that you're playing in a way that you don't in other games. And now you're seeing it bleed into like so many different games. I mean, look at Destiny. Destiny is very much a role-playing game. Mm. So, maybe, sorry, not in the same way that we were just saying, but you are customizing your character and making your character unique to yourself. And it's not really about the story. It's more about like you playing as an avatar in this world. Yeah. There's elements, yeah. I guess. It's yeah. not... Yeah, RPG elements. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I get it. I get it. It's not a purebred. It's a mutt. It's a shelter. It's a shelter dog. It's interesting to see... Just you know, there's a lot of games going in that route nowadays, where it's just everyone's playstyle can be different, 
Yeah, I think it appeals to more people. I think there's, um, I don't know, I'm all for like the customization of these things where they feel more personal somehow. Even though these games, you think it would be the opposite, right? When gaming used to be smaller and it used to be more of a niche hobby. And now it's huge and it's mainstream and somehow it's become like more personal for the for the players in a lot of cases too. Because you can really tailor the game around like your own experience and like what you want to get out of the game. For, well, you have to. Right. Yeah, well, you have, You don't want to play other people's experience, and for years, that's what you had to do. You had to play someone's experience that really didn't connect with yours, and who would want to do that? You know, I was sick of playing. <clears throat> I was sick of playing a certain experience that didn't res- really resonate with me. So now they've opened it up to re- real, to where you can actually represent yourself, right. and that is beautiful, in my opinion. I, I couldn't think of another adjective. It's beautiful. It makes it, me feel included, and it makes me feel good. I think it's a good adjective. Yeah, feeling included is beautiful. Because when you don't feel included, you feel ugly. And feeling ugly never makes you feel good. And then you'll la, la, la. just be a mean orc who picks yeah. on small little black kids. All right, joining me now is Michael DePlatter. He is VP of Creative at Monolith Studios, here to chat with us about the upcoming game, Lord of the Rings Shadow of War. Uh, we're getting pretty close to uh, launching this. Is this an exciting time or is this a really nerve wracking time? Yes, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, people often make those analogies to, to babies, um, and it, it is pretty close, you know, like the studio's in labor, there's a lot of screaming and pain and, and, and blood everywhere. Oh, gosh. I'm getting a view of your office right now. Uh, well, if this is a baby, it's at least your second baby because this is a follow-up to uh, uh, Shadow Mordor. Um, what was great about that game and what really won such rave reviews was the Nemesis system in that game, and you guys are bringing that back. Um, are, are there new aspects to it that fans can look forward to in the second game? Oh, yeah, very much. That's been a just a, a massive... Uh, like probably the primary focus for us over the past three years since the first one, and there's just generally improving the the number and the quality and the kind of emotional power of the stories that we create, really making you love to hate these enemies. Um, so there's just four times the content, at least, just around making the enemies more varied and you know different personalities and really bringing these villains to life. But in addition to that, we've also added the dimension of you having followers. So you using the ring of power to recruit these orcs and their enemies to fight for you. So now you have all these wonderful, colorful personalities and these guys on your side and part of your army. And then that creates whole new types of relationships and connections and stories because now, you know, you sometimes really love these guys when they've saved you in battle or just You've really created the ultimate enemy if they then betray you and turn on you. So uh, Followers was an enormous expansion. And then we've sort of brought Mordor to life a lot more by adding tribes. So the orcs have different uh, tribes that they belong to that influence not just them as individuals, but kind of uh, how they interact with the entire living world within Mordor. So the feral tribe... uh, are putting up bones and skulls and laying out bait for drakes to come hunting for and going on hunting missions and specialise in killing beasts. Um, so the tribes bring a whole new dimension. And then perhaps the biggest thing is we've added fortresses. So we now have these epic battles along the, the lines of Helm's Deep or the Siege of Minas uh, Tirith in Return of the King. Um, and so you've just got these massive battles where it all comes together, where you're bringing your personal followers that you've built these relationships with, you're facing against these bitter enemies that you've built up these stories with, escalating towards these sort of glorious boss fights against the overlord of the fortress, and then the fortresses themselves are kind of like these massive villain's lairs that represent the tribe and the personality of the, the overlord. So... Um, we've kind of expanded it in every dimension. Right, it sounds like it. How much bigger is this new world uh, as 
opposed to the last one? Because I've seen that there's going to be some new locations. So how 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 much bigger did you guys expand this? Uh, I mean, it's more than three times, but wow. it's not just the size. Like last time we had two regions. Uh, this time we have five regions, but they're far more diverse than they were, were last time. Like we have a full-scale human city in the game. Um, we have, you know, deep forests. We have snow-covered mountains. So the variety of the world and the amount of detail packed into each one of these regions so that you can explore them and, and sort of discover that is also much richer. But then um, they're affected by the nemesis system as well. So Gorgoroth, for example, which is the kind of heart of Mordor on the slopes of Mount Doom, mm -hmm. if in my game that's controlled by the feral tribe, it's going to have a different feel and identity than if in your game it's controlled by the Terra Tribe, for example. So now there's a whole extra axis on which the, the world can actually feel different and personal as you play it. Exciting. Um, we're continuing the story of uh, Talion in this game, who was our protagonist in the last game as well. Uh, was that a decision that was made right from the get-go to continue with the same protagonist? Did you guys kick around ideas of maybe changing it up to somebody different, or was that always kind of the, the idea going forward? Always the idea from this one, because we didn't really finish his story mm -hmm. in the first game. We um, At the end of Shadow of Mordor, we kind of left it off on a cliffhanger with the promise to forge a new ring, with them still having a lot of unfinished business with Sauron. Uh, so the opportunity to come back and not only finish that story, but also ramp it up and make it much more epic and really pay off that promise of what epic fantasy is all about was was really satisfying. Right. Uh, the uh, timeline for these games kind of falls between The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. What are you using as inspiration? Do you use all of Tolkien's novels? Are you dipping into the Silmarillion? I mean, he built such a rich world. Uh, how, do you, how do you balance between wanting to tell your own type of story and introducing your own new aspects to a world that was so fleshed out by the writer almost a century ago? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. And it's we look at The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and the appendices of Lord of the Rings, and the great thing is some things are fleshed out in enormous detail, uh, and other things, there's just these kind of teasers and hints that are incredibly cool and evocative and exciting, but which we can flesh out to um, tell these stories of. For example, Celebrimbor, who is one half of our hero, forged the Rings of Power together with Sauron. Like, that's sort of incredibly interesting but it's just a little nugget that's touched on within Lord of the Rings. Um, so to have someone who's authentic from the lore, but bring them back and have them interact with the known story is, is really exciting and fun. Um, same with, for example, we know that the Nazgul, there were nine rings of power, they were kings and sorcerers and warriors of old, but we know almost nothing else about them. So getting to explore and develop those guys as villains, um, getting to explore and look at Sauron himself as more than just the sort of flaming eye or this 12-foot tall monster that we see at the start of Fellowship of the Ring. So it's just such an incredibly rich and evocative world that getting to you know, play around with some of those details is, is just, you know, it's a privilege. Like, it really is. We're very lucky. I see that multiplayer is going to be new to this game because it wasn't in the last one. Um, so what was the decision to include it, and then what can fans expect from it when they start playing it? So we don't have synchronous multiplayer. Mm -hmm. um, you're always just playing sort of single player. But what we do have is because your orcs, your army, your fortresses are going to be unique to your world, you know, you're going to be crafting them as you play, um, and because everyone's content is unique, we really want players to be able to share that. Mm -hmm. So now, if you conquer a fortress and you promote your followers into that fortress, so I know I'm going back to these guys as the example all the time, but you occupy it with the feral tribe and you have all these sort of feral berserkers guarding it and so on, um, you've now made this potentially incredibly cool and challenging fortress and we wanted for other players to be able to experience that and challenge themselves by trying to 
attack your fortress. And we had actually a very light version of this last time. We had a feature called Vendettas, mm -hmm. where because everybody's enemies are personal and unique and different, um, if you had been killed by an orc in your game, I was able to avenge you by hunting and killing that orc in my game. And we've extended that now as well. So now when I do a Vendetta, I actually can come into your game world and avenge you there. One thing I'm learning is that the Feral Tribe seems to be your tribe. <laughs> ah, it's funny, actually, no, the Marauders are awesome, the Terror Guys are awesome. It's, it's really cool. We've been releasing these tribe videos and just going on our Reddit and just looking at our community. One of my favorite things is whenever they start asking each other, who's your favorite tribe, absolutely every tribe gets listed. <laughs> they, they all have something super cool about them. Yeah, well, that's a mark of success to show that you guys uh, really speak to a lot of people with this. So. Uh, yeah, or that yeah, different types of people can find something to connect to in each one of them. Absolutely. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation, and on Reddit particularly, uh, about loot boxes and games lately. Um, this game is going to include loot boxes. Uh, how do you feel about them, and what was the decision to put them into the game? Um, I think the, the big thing for us is that from the, when we sell the game, you know, and... We just want the game to be so much bigger and so much more expansive than Shadow of Mordor, so it's at least four times bigger and four times longer, and we just want people to be playing this game for a long, long time and to be getting you know, dozens or even hundreds of hours of uh, value and playtime out of it. And then in addition to that, as we're saying, our, one of our key features is that we have almost this infinite variety of orcs and enemies that you can create. Um, and so the ability to kind of go to a market and basically play with that system and purchase um, additional orcs like that, as well as having the ones that you meet naturally in the world, felt like uh, you know, a, really, a really good fit. And you can do that with the currency that you earn in the game, and you can do it with um, paid currency gold as well. Gotcha. Uh, is there any particular world, creature, enemy, orc tribe that you're particularly excited for fans to get uh, their hands on and see? It's funny. Uh, it's always hard, that, because I think the thing that's kind of magical about our game is the fact that all of these in elements all interact in such interesting and crazy and chaotic ways with each other. I mean, as an Australian, I'd probably say the fact that we've got some Australian orcs in there. <laughs> uh, Bruce was the guy who was the host of, of one of our E3 shows, and, and he's pretty great. That's fantastic. I think um, it's, it's also something else we've done this time is ensure that the nemesis system, so that the dynamic elements of the game, much more meaningfully interact with the story that we've crafted. And we've also... Um, gone to a lot of effort to, to make the story a much stronger and more satisfying part of the game this time, even than what it was in Shadow of Mordor. Okay. Right, well, awesome. Thank you very much, Mike. I can't wait to play it and get my, uh, get my hands on a sword and slice through some Middle-earth. Yeah, have fun. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm really excited to get my hands on this game. A, because I am a huge Tolkien fan, because, you know, my brain works in a normal human being with a soul. <laughs> and I connect to wonderful stories. Uh, but anyway, yeah, they're my favorite movies of all time. I really love the Lord of the Rings movies, and I love the books. So I'm excited always to play in a Lord of the Rings world. But all the things about this game, it's not just... This game would work wonderfully if it didn't have Lord of the Rings tacked on in front of it. You know, like... If you changed everything and they weren't, like, licensed to the token world, it would still be a wonderful game. For me, it's just extra, like, topping that it also happens to be set in the Lord of the Rings universe. But it has everything that I like. I like action slasher games. I love uh, RPGs. I love the fact to think about, like, building up a faction and, like, working towards, like, toppling, like, a goal. Like, those are my favorite types of games. Because they're, they're easier for me to wrap my head around. Things like... Stardew Valley or even Destiny to a degree like these games with no actual ending and they just keep going and going and going not to say that Shadow War necessarily does but at least there's it's more of a tangible thing for me to wrap my mind around yeah absolutely it's exciting you should actually buy it and play it because you'll 
really enjoy it, if, especially if you like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, well, and I get games for free because I'm really important, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever, you're a little important. But, yeah, I would <laughs> love to see the Nemesis system them do this like a Batman game. Yeah, that that's... That would be absolutely amazing. It's fun to think about that, right? I'm trying to think... Uh, let's think about the Unreal Engine. And this is a different argument because it's, it's, you know, it's a, a programming engine. Uh, and it's the way things look. But... People do things in games, and then they resonate with people, and then it starts to branch out. You know, like people get inspired by a system, and then you'll start seeing it implemented in different games that necessarily wouldn't normally have it. And so I think right. what you said, a superhero game would be the perfect thing for like this type of nemesis system. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It would be, if you put any any superheroes, would be perfect for it. But I think if you do a Batman game, like an Arkham Knight type, because... Lord of the Rings was is that type of game style still also action mm-hmm. RPG. Even you type you kind of implement it in a new Spider Man game. God, that would be amazing. And even if you like kind of had tiers to it too. So if you had like kind of your street level people, then your mid level people, and then your people that own like the cities, and then you had like your serial killers. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, cut yeah. it up into different types of. Uh, I think. You could, oh man, you can make something amazing. But I'm mean, not a game developer. That would take, that would take years. I, I think. how great would a game though be if, so it's like an open world superhero game, and you're walking around like a city, but it also has this nemesis system, and basically you're just like solving crimes as they happen, like in a real world that you're moving around, and then you know you might run into the same criminal like five times, and he remembers stuff like watching somebody who might have been like a petty thief work his way up to being the Joker. Yeah, like in a game that would be amazing. It would, it would. I would love it. I would love to see it in a Batman. You know what else I would love to see it in? A Red Dead Redemption. Oh, man. Yeah, I would love to see it in a Red Dead Redemption. Speaking of Red Dead Redemption, that was an awesome segue, by the way. Oh, I love it. Uh, Red Dead Redemption is coming back in case you don't spend any time on the internet and don't have eyeballs. Uh, they released a new trailer, and it looks amazing! It does look amazing, and it's one of the biggest games that are going to be released in 2018. 2019 uh, is looking pretty I'm stacked excited. already. I am excited. I'm excited. It's a prequel to the John Marston story. Which so I was like- very excited about instead of... I'm actually much I'm much happier that they decided to do a prequel as opposed to like a sequel to Red Dead Redemption. Are you? I am. Are you? Okay. Because a lot of people are like, prequels are... Why are we keep doing prequels? Prequels are dumb. Prequels... But- Prequels and games don't work, dude. But let it's me just... let me explain why I like it more. A because okay, there's speculation that at the end of the game, like John Marsden will show up. But as far as it goes right now, we're not quite just telling the story before John Marsden's story. And second off, at the end of John Marsden's story in the timeline, we're getting towards the end of the Wild West. So putting in a prequel actually puts us farther into the Wild West, and I think it works better for the game. Yeah, true. Because Red Dead Redemption was signifying the end. That game was all about the end of the Wild West, end of times, right. transitioning into more modern times. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, we'll see. Video game prequels are always a little bit iffy. I think. Gosh, what is the? What are some good ones we've had? Bioshock um, was good, right? Uh, Bioshock Infinite. Was that a prequel? Could that be classified as a prequel story? Yeah. I guess. I mean, it was a prequel, sort of. I mean, it uh, took place before the later Bioshock. But then you would, you could say, like, Grand Theft Auto Vice City was a prequel story to Grand Theft Auto. And then Grand Theft Auto... Ah, uh, fair enough. Yeah, that's a weird... Yeah, that's It starts weird. to get murky, right? Like, just because it's in the same series doesn't actually count as a prequel. Yeah, I think the best one would probably be Snake Eater, Metal Gear Solid 3... Uh, Snake- Deus Ex, I think, was a prequel. Human Revolution, possibly. Did you like these games? I liked Snake Eater. I never, re- I never played Deus Ex because it had that like slave talking black woman in like the first twenty minutes of the game. And after I got to that, I was, I was like, wait a second, done. yeah, that was like when I was high in, I was not high, I was in college, so I was like high in my, um, just not militant, but. I was reading a lot of black history at that point, and when I, when I got through that, I was like, absolutely not. You're probably a little bit high, too, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> college, <laughs> yeah. Yoshi's Island, I think that's a prequel. So, I love that game. There we go. That's probably the best prequel of all time. It's a mixed there bag. There are some good ones, there are some not good ones. Oh, Yakuza 0. Okay, yeah, maybe, okay. Maybe there's a time we can... 
Yeah, all right. There's some good ones out there. Maybe but, I'm wrong, but there's a lot of sh- there's a lot of garbage ones out there too. Sure, so. but it, it doesn't matter. I mean, like some of them are bad, some of them are good. Redemption, Red Dead Redemption Two is going to stand on its own, and it's also Rockstar, you know, and it's coming off of Red Dead Redemption might be in my top five favorite games of all time. Yeah, it's a fantastic game. I I just can't. It it's perfect. <laughs> the story was perfect. The when it came out, it was one of the most. Be- it was the best looking game ever when it came out mm-hmm. at that time. The horse had physics. Like even in the trailer, if you look closely at the trailer, I saw many people post gifts. Like it looks like the trailer's testicles. I don't know if you ever <laughs> have physics. Like this is how in depth <laughs> Rockstar goes. So I'm just, I'm excited, man. I'm. If you can hear it in my voice, it's just it's time. These rock stars, if I think this is going to be their first next gen release, really this generation. Yeah, I mean they released, they re-released Grand Theft Auto Five at launch of the Xbox One and PlayStation Four, but that doesn't really, an, that doesn't count. Right? That they built on a yeah, well, I kind of they did rebuilt the first person, so I guess well, sure. But I mean, it's not a it's not a new game, really. Yeah, I mean this game looked phenomenal. The trailer looked amazing. The facial animations, mm-hmm. you talked to, you know how you talked to your little nonsense about L.A. Noir last week? You could really <laughs> see L.A. Noir in those facial animations in this one, in this game. You could just see how they just took every game that they've created and it just looks like, that's what I liked about Red Dead Redemptions. I feel like Red Dead Redemptions are their anthology series where they just put everything they've done together and look at what we, look at what, how good we are. Right. Like, they have their Grand Theft Autos where, you know, they're always strong. And then they have their, like, obscure, like, left titles, like their bullies and the L.A. Noirs. I think their Red Dead Redemptions is where they all come together in one. Like, look at this. Sort of like them showing off, flexing their muscles a little bit. Yeah. Like, we're better. We're the best. Who is better than us? Who is better than Rockstar? Yeah. I'm actually trying to just answer that question as a question. I don't know who's better than Rockstar. I think... They're, I don't know. I, you can maybe make an argument that there are companies that are on the same tier as Rockstar, but is there really anybody better than Rockstar? Like, Bethesda is amazing, but are they better than Rockstar? Mm-hmm. You know, you make Skyrim and you make the Fallout games and, like, they're amazing, incredible games, but, I mean, like, Rockstar is still Rockstar. Rockstar really does seem to be, like, they're kind of it. They're the top of the mountain. Because not only are they massive, popular hits... But they're also, like, they're legitimate good games. I mean, Nintendo's Nintendo. Sure. So, you're, Nintendo's, obviously, you're just not beating Nintendo. I think of uh, them as such a huge thing. Nintendo's not just, like, a game studio. They're also, you know, a, they make the system and they own a whole bunch right, of different right, game right. studios. As opposed to just being, like, one thing that Rockstar is. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm coming from a, you and I are very biased Right, um, because we're big, we're big time Rockstar fanboys. We grew up with like playing Grand Theft, like the original Grand Theft Auto. I remember going to each other's houses and playing oh, like man. that. Grand San Theft Andreas, Auto, just, yeah, just up murdering CJ. people. So I don't know, Naughty Dog, man, Naughty Dog's great. Naughty Dog, Bethesda. I think you really you have to really think about what Bethesda does in their games, like. Skyrim, simultaneously, there's so much going on in that world as opposed to what's going on in a Rockstar world. Yeah. And I think Bethesda has, you have Fallout 3, you have Fallout um, New Vegas, you have Oblivion, you have Skyrim. That's hard. That's hard. That's a hard... Look, I don't think there's an there's not an actual answer. It's more just yeah. like what you think. But I will say that Rockstar is if there's a Mount Rushmore of game studios right now, Rockstar's got to be on it. They're in the top five for I mean, sure. You have Nintendo, right? you have Naughty Dog, Bethesda. You're probably gonna have Rockstar right there. Maybe Rare up there as well. Bioware. I mean, you have to put Square Enix up there. So I mean, right. I don't, yeah, they're up there. Blizzard. Yeah, they're up there, so they're fantastic. So I'm not saying that Red Dead Redemption isn't. I'm, oh gosh, I'm just a fanboy. I'm, I'm really excited. It's really it's going to be the best game of all time. It really does look amazing. Also, they just nail stories, is what I like about them. Because 
Look, Grand Theft Auto could be a stupid game where all you do is drive around and shoot people and run people over. But it's not. I mean, like, their stories are real stories. It's like watching a Scorsese film. Yeah, it, it is. I love westerns. I grew up watching westerns with my dad because mm-hmm. he was a big-time western guy. And just, I love Red Dead Revolver, the original game. Red Dead Redemption was nothing like Red Dead Revolver. So I'm just saying, if you have not played this series, start from the beginning play it all the way through this game is going to be the best game released in 2018 yeah probably one of the better games next to another big game coming out god of war you are the king of segways today look at you segwaying the hell i'm taking over hosting duties are you standing on a segway right now as you're segwaying yeah i'm like (laughs) i'm back look at me i just segwayed around my room that was an amazing segway impression uh yeah god of war 4 i was lucky enough okay first off one thing I don't know if it's called God of War 4. It's what everyone... It's technically called God of War, which is confusing. It's the fourth God of War game, the fourth major God of War game. It's actually the fifth or sixth God of War game, but it's called God of War. So let's just clear that up right now so I don't get another email from a publicist. But the new God of War game, I, I was a little bit out ahead of this because I am, again, I'm going to self-admit that I am a fanboy, uh, and I'm a big fan of God of War so I was excited when they announced this new one. I reached out to the studio, and I was lucky enough. They uh, invited me to the studio. I got to meet the new actors in it, uh, a guy named Christopher Judge who was on Stargate SG-1, who's just an awesome dude. He took over uh, the role from Terrence C. Carson, who was the former Kratos voice actor, who had done it for years, you know, over a, almost a decade, uh, seven years, eight years, somewhere around there. So for a very wow. long time. Yeah, so that's a hard role to step into. And this dude, I got to watch him uh, do voice recording, and – it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen to watch this guy, who's this super nice, big, jovial guy. He drinks like an entire Tivana iced tea in one gulp and then just drops his voice like eight levels. I'm Kratos. Kratos. Uh, That's amazing. You. So what did you do in it? So my visit included going to the studio, uh, which is down here in Los Angeles for Santa Monica. Are you going to be in the game? Yes. Uh, I am actually taking over for the son uh, because I look a little bit more youthful than the 12-year-old who's playing him. I'm also, every single enemy in the entire game has my voice. Die, Kratos! Uh, so I got to go. I, I interviewed the two stars. I got to talk to uh, Corey Barlog, who's the director of the game. You can check out the uh, article. We'll link it out. But it was just cool to... Um, sort of get some exclusive stuff about the game if you're unfamiliar with it it changes the the setting from ancient greece because kratos kind of spoiler has already killed all the ancient greek gods so he's moving now to uh to norse mythology so it's going to be vikings and a whole bunch of other crazy crap uh so his chains the blades of chaos are gone like the the uh weapons that we knew kratos for for so long now he has an axe he has a son uh what i thought was cool and what Look, people are understandably pessimistic about things or, like, wary. Whenever you have a son or a child in a game, it's like, oh, is this going to be a giant escort mission? Is that going to be the entire game? Corey was, like, very adamant that that is not the case and that Atreus is kind of his own character. And you sort of just, like, send him off on little ways and he can take care of himself. You can see it a little bit in the E3 demo that Atreus is not, like, somebody. You don't have to babysit him the whole time. He's his own character. Like Uh, Ellie in Last of Us. Yes, exactly. That's a great analogy. That's I, I would say I haven't played God of War because they haven't really let people play it yet. Uh, but that does seem to be the exact route that they're going with. And The Last of Us is one of my favorite games, so that sounds good to me. Are so, you... I'm, I'm sorry. I'm To interrupt, I have to ask this question. So, and you probably don't know this, he kills all the Creek cards, right? Yeah. And I, start, I, heard, I just started laughing, busting up after you said this. Does, do the North gods, like, take over? Is that what happens? Or did he move to a different part? Are gods have, like, segments of the world that they look over? So Greece is all about where the Greek gods looking over Greece, and then he's going to go to... Where, so, where the, where... so that confused me a little bit, right? And I don't have the exact answer to that. Okay. I do know that this game is set 50 years in the future from where the last ones were which was apparently how long it's been since Kratos shaved because he has an okay. enormous bushy Viking beard in this. Uh, but Kratos is immortal. He's a god. Like, by the end of the God of War games, he becomes a god. So he's not immortal. So he can live forever. Uh, and it seems like he's just traveling around to different places. I don't know the backstory of where this kid comes from. I don't know who the kid's mother is. I don't know if Kratos just decided to steal a child from the village. You know, he's that type of dude. Stealing uh, children are big in video games. Yeah. 
I would say of all the media, uh, you probably steal more children video games than anyone. Witcher, all those children in the all the Witcher children were stolen children. Yeah, the yes. more you know. <laughs> we need that sound effect. Do 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 do. But yeah, I don't know what the what. First off, I don't know any Norse gods other than Thor and Odin. I guess those are the two Norse gods I know. Do you know any Norse gods? <laughs> You're asking a black person if he knows any Norse gods. No, I don't know any Norse. <laughs> You're not gods. big into North mythology. Wait, like Loki. Oh yeah, you do know more than me. Hell? I don't think Hell is a Norse god. I think that's a place. Yeah, Hell Hell's a Norse god. Okay. Nor- the underworld. Hell. Come on now. Well, how is that a god? That's a place. That's a location. That's like saying H- Pittsburgh is a... <laughs> H-E-L. Hell. I know Hell is a god because I read Thor comics. You're thinking of Hella. Sometimes. No, Hell. Hella. Look it up. He- I'm right. Hell. I'm not wrong on this. Hell. I would... Straight up H-E-L. I would believe you more if you didn't say that you hated Lord of the Rings at the beginning of this podcast. So now I don't really trust your opinion about anything. I hate Lord of the Rings, and there's a hell. She's the queen of the underworld. Look her up. The right. more you know. You know what? Whatever. I'm not turning this into a symposium on ancient Norse gods. I will say that the game looks gorgeous, and part of that reason is it's because, and the reason why Christopher Judge kind of took over for Terrence Carson was that they wanted to shoot all of this live. Uh, you can watch a video in the article, it's pretty cool, of the two actors with the mocap suits on. But they really decided to shoot almost all of this like a stage play or like a uh, like they were shooting a movie. So they really did act out a lot of these things in real time. And so they kind of did like we were talking about with L.A. Noir and with the Rockstar games. They did this facial mapping and this uh, mocap uh, mapping for the characters that really makes it look incredibly realistic with like the facial expressions and the eyes and everything there. I know this isn't exactly groundbreaking for video games now but this game i mean just from the small amount of footage that's out there it's one of the most gorgeous things i've ever seen yeah it's probably fascinating to watch especially as someone who doesn't play video games to, to see something like that well i shouldn't say didn't play video games didn't play video games as much as not a hardcore gamer excuse see me something like that you know what? you'll be proud of me because i've been playing a lot of new games games that were made this calendar year i've played like what I played Destiny 2. I just got, oh, well, okay. Final Fantasy 15 came out last year. I got Marvel yeah. vs. Capcom. I have What you. Remains of Edith Finch. I played Rhyme. Oh. Yeah, that's a pretty fast. Mm, okay, look yeah. at you. How about that? Yeah, good for you. So, sorry. So, as a person who's newly getting back into video games, who's been Thank away you. from it for a very long time, which is disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably very interesting for you to see how much effort it goes into. And it would probably be interesting for someone like me, a hardcore gamer, to see how much effort goes into my, you know, my video, my, the video games that I play and enjoy so much. It is astonishing the amount of, I mean, years, years and years. And this is just for the actors. The actors have been on the project for three years. Corey Barlog's been working on this since 2012, 2013. The game, the, the game comes out next spring. It's amazing yeah. how much work goes into it. It's too long. It's too much time. I don't, I, I don't want to ever put any much time to anything like Oh yeah. my gosh. That's the number one reason why I don't design video games is because of how long it takes. Not that I don't yeah, they, have any talent and I'm stupid. It's because I don't I don't want to invest that much time. Yeah, it's just too much time. I'm just like, good for them, though. Uh, did they get a kid to play the kid? They did. His name is Sonny Soljic, who's actually kind of popping off as an actor. He's in the upcoming um, uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer with uh, Colin Farrell. That sounds dangerous. <laughs> a little bit. He doesn't play the Sacred Deer, I don't think. Uh, but yeah, he's a great little kid. He's, I think he's 12 when I spoke to him. He had just turned 12. Uh-huh. He's tiny. He's like, comes up to my waist. And he's just like this super cute kid who was with his mom. And he was like nervous to have an interview in front of his mom. So he like sent her around the corner. Aww. It was adorable. And I can't Aww. wait to shoot orcs in the face with arrows. Why well, wasn't he in school? <laughs> That's a really great question. All right. That's my only question. Okay. Moving on. That's that social worker in you. Yeah, whenever I hear like stories about kids on like sets, I'm like, well, was it after school time? Why isn't he in school with his tutor on set? All right, moving on. <laughs> Years ago, before I was such a massive success in my life, I used to do uh, background work in movies, and I did a couple where they had like an infant, and it was just like it's super gross and bizarre, like to watch them like use an infant like it's a prop, like it's like a lamp, and passing it around. What is, and parents are just just chilling there, like yeah, like the baby. mom is I'm like so proud. Yeah, it's insane. Like she'll like walk over and like get some food from craft services while they're like tossing their baby around like football. 
how how do you get your baby into that type of line of work? Not only is it not hard to, it's competitive too, which is just I don't know. Hollywood is a weird place, man. It's gross. How do you? Uh, whatever. I'm not gonna like get into it. Yeah, but. look, I could go off an entire tangent on this, but it's it's a bizarre business. So you have your baby, right? Mm-hmm. Babies are all ugly until around like I don't know six months. They all look like little aliens. Yeah, I mean, except for me, I was a beautiful baby. But are you taking that baby in for headshots? I guess so. Are, pe- are people putting makeup on your baby? I haven't seen a baby headshot. I'm afraid to type that into Google. So essentially, you're taking your baby into a makeup artist so they could put dead baby animals on your dead baby. Yeah. All right. It's the circle of life. Watch wow. The Lion King. Learn something. Wow. Uh, all right. What have you been playing, Eddie? Golf Story. Golf Destiny Story. Destiny 2. Wait, hold on. No, no. You can't just gloss over Golf Story because Golf Story looks like a game that was literally designed exactly for me. It's an RPG where you play golf. Do you like Stardew Valley? I do. All right, then you won't like golf story. No, <laughs> <laughs> it is a infectious, charming, cute little story. I love hearing you use like critic words. I don't know. Infectious. Infectious. Alluring. That's all I know. Okay, so yeah, you, it's a story about you play this. I played only like the first hour, I think. And it is just. You're this man, just spoilers for the first 10 minutes, you're this child who's growing up listening to some golf tips from your dad, he's taking you around golfing, and you're talking to your dad about becoming a professional golfer, then it flash forwards 20 years later, and looks like dad's not in the picture anymore, looks like you fell on some rough times, and now I'm trying to get a coach to coach me. This is a dark beginning to a game about golf. It's, I'm making it seem dark, but it's because I'm a dark person, but it is a charming little light. It's like a light-hearted my dad is dead and now I'm addicted to heroin story. <laughs> my dad's dead, I murdered my cousins, yeah. Um, like if Disney did that story. Yeah. It, think of any Disney tragic opening, like think of any tragic opening to his Disney story. That's it's pretty much every Disney story, actually, now that I think about it. I don't even know if the dad is dead anyway. I'm just, like, making conclusions. But anyway, it's just, it's good. It's on Nintendo Switch. Came out of nowhere. People don't know who the developers are. How do you hide that? Isn't it in the credits of the game? I'm telling you, this game, people are, I've read multiple articles where, where did this game come from? It, like, literally dropped out of nowhere. And I I saw people tweeting about it. And it's just something, it's essentially, you're just walking, you can walk around the town like a Stardew Valley. Uh You can tee up from anywhere. Basically, there's little holes everywhere. You like talk to these villagers, and you can complete challenges for like two dollars or four dollars, so you can go buy things. And how is it as a golf game? Because you played everybody's golf as well. So how does it? Just from a standpoint of being a golf simulator, how does it stack up? I mean, it's one of those easy little. It's like a Mario Golf. You're hitting. It's a meter, mm-hmm. so you're hitting the meter a couple times. Everybody's golf was something. It's, it's completely different because everybody's golf is just like this. In gosh, how is it different? Golf story is like think of like an RPG, a Harvest Moon, a Stardew Valley, a Super Mario Golf RPG back in the day, mm-hmm. where there's golfing, but golf isn't the central element of the story. The central element of the story is like the story and meeting these characters and gotcha. So you know, golf, it, it, going pro. if I was going to compare it to Stardew Valley, it's sort of like the golf is the farming and the actual, well, I guess it depends how you play the game. But the golf is more just like a supplement to the story of the game. It's more an RPG with golf elements as opposed to a golf game with RPG elements. Yeah, the golf is just, the golf is the farming. That's a that's very good gotcha. analogy. So Nailed you it. have to golf in order to be successful, and golfing propels you to make it through the story. Much like in life. Much like in life. So, yeah, pick that up. And I've also, I've been loving that, and I've also been playing my mini SNES, a mini Super Nintendo. You were one of the the few people who were able to get their hands on a mini SNES. I think a lot of people were able to get their hands on a mini Super Nintendo. It was a little bit less hectic than when the, the NES came out. Absolutely. I think I've talked to multiple people. 
uh, someone's in this. I talked to someone from the South, talked to someone from Texas. So, and it sounds like everyone was able to walk in the store relatively easily. So my experience was I woke up. I was like, I want this thing. I have to go to work. I put in like an hour time at work, personal time, necessity time at work. Roll in the target, personal necessity. We have that in California, mental health days. Roll into target. There was like a line maybe of 50 people. I was, uh, got, was able to get in line, waited a good 30 minutes. They handed out numbers, and we were able to get in. Everyone did it in an orderly fashion. Everyone waited in line, got their mini Super Nintendo. I just want to shout out Target in Pinole, California. I've been to two releases of their Nintendo products, and they do a phenomenal job. Orderly. Um, they come out there. They're very nice. This lady's been there multiple times. The security guard's been there multiple times. Just a smile on their faces. They're excited to be providing a product. So... Target and Panov, bravo, bravo. Was it was it a fun experience? Like, was there like an energy there when you were picking it up that people seemed to be in good Look, spirits? I'm antisocial. No. I'm the type of person that if I'm in line, I hadn't. It was early, so I was in line probably at seven thirty on my way to work. So, I well, I started I started working at seven thirty, so it wasn't that bad. So it was easy. Got there at seven thirty, got in line. Um, probably around 7.25, to be honest with you. Got in line. People were trying to talk, but I hadn't had coffee yet, so I was kind of like, yeah, shut up. <laughs> um, I was, there was a woman in front of me and a woman behind me, so I wasn't trying to ruin their morning and get up on their shit, so I just kept my mouth shut, so it was very delightful to start my morning, um, the peace and quiet because that's how I like to start my mornings anyway. How so. many people were at this thing when you showed up? Was it a crowded scene or was it sort of... I'm going to guess that the Target got 100. They only had 90 for sale. I'm probably going to think that they probably reserved 10 for their staff. Uh-huh. So they had 90. I was 54. And then when I was about at 745, I could hear the staff say that they still had about like 20 tickets. So I had tweeted that there were 20 tickets left. So Look at you doing a public service. I'm trying, you know. Everyone needs to get their mini Nintendos. And everyone knew how that Nintendo release was, the mini Nintendo. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like they rolled out that mini Super Nintendo relatively easy. See, we so, differ. I would have bought ten of them and then sold them off for three times as much as what I I really want to buy two just in case someone I knew wanted one. They're 80 bucks, dude. I know. It's really amazing. The price point, with the amount of games that you get, you can't even buy an old school. You can't buy an original NES. Well, you bucks. can get an emulator. I saw a lot of people were just like, well, I'm just going to get an emulator. But It's not the same know, thing. Man. It's not it's the same thing. The novelty of it, I can put it on my shelf. It, look, it can fit in your hand. Yeah. Just hook it right up to your TV. It's so easy. It's so cute. It is very cute. It's cute. It's and I just, cute. I'm enjoying it. It's cute. I'm enjoying it. So I played some Donkey Kong Country last night. Gotta love that game. So I'm probably going to – I really want to get into Secrets of Mana. I never played that. So I want to. I really want to play that. And I really want to play Final Fantasy IV. I've never played that. There's a so, couple. I mean, you can spend a lot of time on the SNES. These are not short games. No, these aren't. These are hefty, hefty games. Right. And you know, I'm I'm a little upset. I I was thinking about it. I was like, man, I would like to see some Harvest Moon. Some you know, Super Nintendo Harvest Moon on there would have been nice. But beggars can't be choosers. It is a phenomenal little box for eighty dollars. I can't complain. Well, it seems like they're probably going to roll out some more. So I think if you miss this one, it's probably not your last opportunity to get it. So and it seems like everyone's like buddy in Texas was able to get it relatively easy. He yeah. said he got an email from Amazon the morning before, and he was just able to his I guess his girlfriend just went to an Amazon like locker box or something like that and was able to pick it up. Yeah, there was and, a. They were doing like a, a treasure truck down here, which maybe was a similar type of thing. That was it. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, I think that was it. I had no idea what he was telling me, but I was just acting like I knew because I wanted to act like I knew something. I woke so, up to a text from a coworker. It's just SNES pre-order. Go, 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 go. So what? What's the deal with that? You just go. You just roll up to a bot or a truck, and they like throw an SNES at it. So I didn't get it because I slept in that morning, and I was. Uh, I'm a jerk. I had an opportunity actually to. To get one, I had a pre-order code like a month and a half ago, and I okay. didn't use it. Because at the time, I was like, I think I just bought something for a lot of money, and I was like, I don't know if I want to spend 80 bucks on this right now. 
And I should have because bucks. I know it was only eighty bucks. I was stupid. It's twenty more bucks than a release on a video game, and you get like what thirty twenty five games I on there. I, I spent over twenty dollars on like coffee and a bagel this morning or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> see, you live in L.A. Yeah, well, you should have bought it, you dummy. I'm sorry, everybody. You could have flipped it too, but you're a dummy. So whatever. I think uh, yeah, you're right. Everyone's gonna get it. I think Nintendo learned from their mistakes. I think so, so too. And I think I mean like you're just leaving money on the table if you're not gonna roll this out a little more. Yeah, and it seemed like everyone was able to get one. So if someone, the other person I talked to that's in North Carolina, I think, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but he, I think he was able just to walk into a GameStop, it sounds like, and he said there were only like five people there. Why do you know people so, in North Carolina and in Texas? They went to our high school. What? I got this, my stuff from Facebook. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm video game reporting. Video game reporting. <laughs> is this, is this why you're not going to the uh, reunion, because you keep in touch with everybody on Facebook? I keep in touch with like... No one on Facebook, but he's pretty cool, and we both play video games. I don't even think we really talked that much in high school, but he's in our class. But do I know this person? Yeah, huh. I'm not gonna say names, but you can look at my Facebook and we Maybe comment on each other's stuff, and we like each other's statuses. But what's the point of going to the reunion when you have a Facebook? I don't know. Well, here's my thing. I want to go to a reunion to see who got fat. That's my number one goal in life is to see how many people got fat and how many people went bald. Again, there's Facebook. But you're not going to post pictures of your fat butt on Facebook. Well, that's who you, that's when you put two and two together. If they haven't put a, posted a full body picture in the last five to six years, they probably got fat. That's good. See, you're doing detective work onto this. I was just going straight to the source. I'm not even doing detective work. I essentially don't care. Care. Don't you want to go back and show everybody how much better you are than them? No, because I'm not. I'm working with youth in California, living with five people. Oh, so, yeah, your life sounds horrible. I don't horrible. really want to do the whole, like, what are you doing with your life? Because I don't really care what they're doing with their life. If you I'm, don't go, then I can't go. You can go. Oh, who am I going to talk to if I go? People that you haven't seen in 10 years. I don't want to talk like... to those people. I just want them to know that I'm better than them. <laughs> but are you? So, I hey, look. If I've seen you, if you've physically seen my face in the last 10 years, know that I love you. If you have not seen my face in the last 10 years, I don't care. I really don't care. Man. Time is relative. Once we move on, we need to move on. People need to stop living in the past. The past is the past. Just keep going on. Keep moving on. I don't care. Fun. And if you do care, you're bored. You're I am so a little bored, bored. And I feel bad for you. I'm sorry. Maybe so. I should play more video games and then I won't feel as bad. No, you just need to, like, not care. And like, thus, world peace other was achieved. Do with their lives because I just, I just don't care. If people just embrace nihilism, we'd be fine. Yeah, like, that's the one thing we all need. Just nothing matters. Just that's it. That's it. <laughs> your opinion doesn't matter. Your life doesn't matter. Your kids don't matter because we all die. Can't think of a better way to wrap up a podcast than that. (laughs) Life is meaningless. Thanks for listening. Hey, life is meaningless, but enjoy it, though, right? Because we're only here for like an extended amount or a limited amount of time. So go play Cuphead. Yeah. Go play Golf Story. That's why I'm not saying I'm be upset. Like, play video games. Look, if you're going to die, die in November. You know, after all these games come out. Yeah, die. Exactly. Die after all these games come out and enjoy your life. You got one more month. That's it. We need an apocalypse anyway. The, world, the way the world is going, we need, like, a mass extinction. Well, it's probably going to happen, so. We need one. Anyway, thank you, everybody, for listening and for following along with our podcast over the uh, the many weeks that we've been doing it. And uh, welcome newcomers on board to the new Donkey Kong Artist. It's hard for me to say our new podcast name. I'm going to start working on it. Donkey Kong Artist. Donkey Kong Artist. The Donkey Kong Artist. The Donkey Kong Artist. I want to say uh, another thank you to our guest this week, Michael the Platter with Monolith Games. Really looking forward to playing the new Shadow of War game. It sounds amazing. Uh, another thank you again to everyone at Sony and um, Santa Monica Studio for having me for the God of War. Uh, check out that article. I will post the link in here. If you haven't already, please follow us on SoundCloud. Follow us on uh, iTunes. Uh, or subscribe to us. I don't know what the terminology is. Uh, we're both on Twitter. All of those links are to the right of where my voice is. I'm going to move over here. Click here to the right. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Thank everybody. you to the game developers. Thank you, Mike the Platter, for making such a being part of such a fantastic series. Can't wait to play Shadow of War. Um, check out the Red Dead Redemption trailer on anything, and tune in next week when we talk about more games. Lots more games. And-
Talking Lots of about fun yes. Also, please tell Eddie to go to Okay, bye everybody. Love you. I hate you. Yes. Just kidding. I love you.